parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary. Thanks for being here. So today's topic is inspired by a sad event that happened in my own life recently. And that is that one of my good friends from years ago unexpectedly passed away this past weekend. This is somebody that I shared a home with for a year and we adopted kittens together. And she's somebody that I didn't keep up with as much as I would have liked, but I did talk to every so often. And, you know, I absolutely thought we had more time, right? After the pandemic, after my toddler was a little older that we could maybe plan a trip and get together. So this was really unexpected and super sad. And I was upset about it around my kids. And it made me think about talking to our kids about death. How do we do that? It's inevitable that our kids are at some point going to be exposed to death, whether that's losing a grandparent or somebody in their immediate family or you losing somebody that maybe your kids didn't even know that well, but they're watching you and they're seeing you affected by this. Maybe it's losing a family pet, but I know for a lot of parents, this is a really heavy, scary topic and something that until you have to broach it with your kids, sometimes you do tend to shy away from it because again, we were all raised to kind of keep things happy and joyful and calm and these big emotions that we sometimes experience around loss that doesn't fit with that picture. And I know for a lot of people dealing with grief in your own life is really tricky because of that, because of this pressure from society to always be okay. So if you're grieving and just know that grief is not a one-time thing, it is not a time-limited thing, it is not a thing that occurs in a nice linear process. They know Kubler-Ross's stages of grief might make us think that because it's called stages, which makes you think that you kind of progress through one and get to the other and it's linear, but it's not. The stages of grief were actually never meant to be linear. I like to think of grief more as waves and sometimes they're small and they just kind of rock our world a little bit and sometimes they're huge and they knock us over and we have a hard time recovering. So in those moments, I would say, feel that, feel that grief be with that grief. It's okay to not be okay. So how do we talk to our kids about death and how much is too much information and can kids handle this heavy topic? These are the questions I get from parents all the time. And so in honor of my friend and in honor of the fact that I did have to have this conversation, I wanted to give you some practical tools to help you start to talk to your kids about death, whether or not you would consider your life or your child's life to be touched by loss in this moment. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you, I have an amazing free resource for you. It's called Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good. I talk all the time on this podcast about mindset, about perspective, about how when we see things through a certain lens in parenting, parenting actually gets a little easier, a little lighter. 
Here's an example. I posted this in a reel on Instagram recently, but I was in public a few weeks ago and overheard a mom really frustrated with either a toddler or a young preschooler, I couldn't quite tell, who was crying. They were walking somewhere and the parent was holding the child's hand and the child was crying and the parent said in a frustrated tone, I suggest you stop acting like you need another nap. Now, in that moment, it was clear to me that this parent was in a mindset where she truly believed that it was her job to fix her child's feelings and that that child's behavior was a reflection of her parenting. In other words, the fact that this child is crying reflects badly on her as a parent. And if she were doing her job, this child would not be crying, but instead would be smiling happily and holding mom's hand walking through the parking lot with no problems. That's not reality. And when we have the perspective to know that tears are not a problem, that this is so normal, it's so not a sign of bad parenting or a bad kid, nothing wrong with you or your kid, right? When we have this perspective, the whole game changes. We can feel calm in these moments, even though we might also feel a little bit annoyed because logistically now we're being held up. We have to stop. We have to hold space, but we don't feel I'm a failure or something's wrong with my kid. Like those are two really hard things to hold. And so if we have the perspective to know that those things aren't true, everything else really does get easier. So toward that end, grab this free guide. It really will be a game changer for you as a parent. You can get your copy today totally free if you go to raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay, so how do we talk to our kids about death and dying? Well, here is the most important piece of advice I can give you. And I think this is really a mindset shift, especially from how we were raised, where again, we weren't included in these hard conversations. Our parents didn't usually explain to us what was happening when they were sad about something. I know for my mom, for her, she remembers all four of her grandparents passing away before she was, I think, six years old. And she remembers going to these funerals and everybody wearing black and kind of wailing and crying. And nobody explained this to her because that's not what people did at that point in time. That must've been so scary for her as a child. So here's what I want us to understand and what I want us to start to talk to our kids about. And that is that death, as hard as grief and loss are for us, death is a part of life. It is an inevitable part of life. It's all around us all the time. Now, if you're listening to this podcast in a place that is experiencing fall as a season right now, which we are here in North Carolina in the United States, you have a wonderful opportunity to talk about death right in front of you. So you can start by pointing out the fact that all of the leaves on the trees around you are turning brown, red, yellow, and falling off the tree. These leaves are dying. And that is a normal, natural part of the tree's life cycle. Nature gives us so many other wonderful examples where we can talk about death too, where we see dead bugs or a dead squirrel or a dead bird. So when you're out and about in nature and you see an animal or a bug that has died, you can say to your child, oh, I see there's a squirrel. That squirrel is dead. That means that its body stopped working and that it doesn't need to eat and it doesn't need to sleep and it won't get up and move around anymore. And I think it's really important when we are talking to kids about death to be very specific and literal, just like I was in that example. What do we tend to do? Well, we tend to speak in euphemisms around kids. We tend to say things like, oh, well, that squirrel's just sleeping. 
or back in the day when people used to say, oh, well, the dog just went to the farm, right? When they really meant that the dog died. Let's agree to not do that with our kids. And here's why. Our kids are very literal. And when we say to them that the squirrel is just sleeping, they literally believe that the squirrel is sleeping and that it's going to wake up because that's what they know about sleep. We sleep and we wake up. So when we tell a child that someone or something has gone to sleep instead of has died, that's incredibly confusing for a child. That does not help kids understand what death really is and the finality of it. And I get it. It can be really tricky to talk to kids about something that we have big feelings about too. The finality of death and existential worries, those are really tough to grapple with even as an adult. And so it can be really challenging to say to your child that death is final, that death means that person is not going to be coming back. That person will not be using their body anymore. That person does not need their body anymore. Their body has stopped working. That's really hard. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And I think it's okay to say to your child, if you are talking to your child, not just about death in general and pointing out examples of death in nature, but if you're talking to your child about a loss that you've experienced in your family, a loss that your child is going to have big feelings about, and you are too, then just acknowledge to your child that what you're talking about is hard. And that probably all of you are going to have some really big feelings about it and that that's okay. Two and change years ago, we lost our sweet, sweet German shepherd. Her name was River. And I like to say she was one of those once in a lifetime dogs. She used to come with me when I worked in residential treatment and she would come into my therapy session. She wasn't technically a trained therapy dog, but she was good citizen trained. And anyone who met her would agree. She was just, she was special. She was a kind and gentle soul, even though she was an 80 pound, very tall German shepherd. And my kids absolutely adored her. So two and change years ago, we lost her very suddenly. She went from being totally fine to we had to put her down the very next day out of nowhere very, very hard. And obviously my husband and I were very upset about this. And so were the kids and it was during the pandemic. And so they couldn't come with us when we actually put her down. And that was really hard as well. And so when we came home, I mean, we literally took her to the vet and then came home without her. And so of course our kids who were five and three at the time had so many questions They wanted to understand what happened to her and was she coming back home? And we were honest with them and we let them know that no, sadly, River was not coming back home, that her body stopped working and that that meant that she wasn't going to need to eat or sleep and she wouldn't get back up and walk around. Now, of course, what you say after the part about the body not working anymore really depends on your own spiritual understanding of the world. If you are religious, then this is a place where you will use your religion to help your child make sense of what's going on. You will use the concepts that you've taught them as part of their religion. You might talk about heaven, for example, if you identify as Christian. For our kids, one of the things that's been really helpful is for them to connect with River's essence her spirit, her soul, so to speak, in whatever ways made sense to them. 
And so, for example, my five-year-old will still look up at the stars sometimes and he'll point to the stars and he'll say, I see river up there in the stars. Now, of course, he doesn't literally see river in the stars, but he feels connected to her in that moment. And so I just validate that. I say, oh yeah, you feel really connected to her right now. You can still feel her presence, even though she's not here. And I think for us, that's been a helpful way for us to make sense of how we can still stay connected to someone, even after their body is no longer with us. And we have had to do that from the beginning with our kids because my husband's dad passed away before we had kids. They never got a chance to meet him. And so for us, we've had to keep him alive for them in a spiritual way because we want them to know him. We don't want that to feel like a void for them, that they just, they have this grandpa that they don't have the opportunity to understand and know about. And so we do tell stories about him. We talk about him. We show pictures and we find ways for them to feel connected to their grandpa they never met. So if that's true for you, if you have lost your parents, if you've lost a sibling, if you've lost a pet that you had before you had your child and somebody who felt really important in your life is missing from theirs, you can and should find a way to make that person or that pet come alive for your child, through pictures, through stories, and through rituals even. Rituals are really, really important, and it's really important for us in our families to have rituals. So for us, after River died, that was one of the things that we talked about. And so we brought her ashes home, and they wanted to understand how those ashes came to be, so we explained that in a developmentally appropriate way, sort of along the lines of she didn't need her body anymore, And so we were able to turn her body into these ashes that we can then bring home as a part of her. And we talked about what we wanted to do with them, which in this case was to keep them in a special place until someday her best buddy, our other dog, Boomer, joins her. So for now, we have her ashes somewhere special and we still have Boomer and we're enjoying him. But at some point we felt it was important to scatter some of their ashes together. So Every family is going to do these things differently. Every family is going to have different rituals. With my husband's dad, my husband will tell stories about his dad and share memories and share pictures and share things that he has that were his dad's with the kids. So how you do that in your family is going to look different from family to family because it's unique to you. But the important thing here is that you do come up with something with your kids, include them in the process. And of course, as I mentioned before, you may have some of these rituals spelled out for you through your culture or through your religion. And so that's wonderful. If you do, you can use those rituals. You can include your child in the process of attending a wake or attending a funeral and help your child make meaning and make sense of that by providing them a narrative around what's happening. This is the part that my mom didn't have, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, where she was taken to these funerals and she had no real understanding of why everyone was so sad and wearing black and what was really happening. So create a narrative for your child around these rituals, include them in the process and help them feel that they are part of these rituals. And I think it's also really important to point out that these rituals I'm talking about might be things that happen once right after the loss occurs, right? Like a funeral or a wake. But there might also be ongoing rituals that you as a family create and participate in to stay connected 
to the person or to the pet that you lost. And I think that's a really important point that you can create rituals that create an ongoing sense of connection. Now, the other thing that comes along with grief and loss and that typically comes up around talking to kids about death is, okay, I'm really sad about this and I'm really emotional. And how much of that is okay for my child to see and to experience with me? So going back to the example of when we lost River, our kids were asking us all of these questions and we were having conversation around what happened. And of course, we were having some really big feelings as we were explaining this to them. So I said something along the lines of, I am very sad about what I'm about to talk to you about. And you're probably going to see me cry and you might feel like crying too. And that is okay. It's okay for all of us to feel sad about this. And I also explained to them that you don't need to fix my sad feelings. I know how to take care of myself, but you probably will see me feeling really sad and that's okay. So I think that's a key distinction. Anytime we're talking to kids about hard things, two things remain true at the same time. And the first is that kids do better when we really do tell them what's going on. They don't need to be shielded. And when your child sees you upset and you don't explain it, I've talked a lot about this before, especially in the episode on storytelling. That's a great one to go back and listen to if you haven't yet. But when your child sees you upset and you don't explain it, you don't provide a narrative for your child to understand that, that can feel scary and unsettling and anxiety producing for your child. Here's the thing. Kids are really egocentric, and so when they don't have us helping them connect the dots from A to B to Z, they will make sense of things in a way that is not optimal for them, in a way that centers them at the heart of the problem, that makes it their fault, and that's not what we want. But really, it is our job to help our kids understand why we're crying, why things suddenly feel tense or sad or different. And the second thing that is simultaneously true is that we need to help our kids understand that even when we are having these big feelings and things feel sad and things feel heavy in a way that maybe they're not used to, it is not their job to fix our feelings and we are still here to take care of them. Life is going to go on through our grief. We are still going to show up. We're still going to make them dinner. We're still going to hold space for their feelings. And yes, we might be a little more snappy. We might lose it a little more often. This weekend, I had a moment where I lost my cool with my kids and I realized I was really sad about my friend and I hadn't given myself enough space to really feel those feelings. So you don't have to be perfect and you might show up in messier ways than usual. And that is okay. The key is helping your child understand that those messy moments are yours to take care of and not theirs, not their fault, and that life will still go on and their needs will still get met. Even when you're dealing with something like grief, that is really tricky to navigate. Another thing to be mindful of when it comes to talking to your child about death and dying is that you don't want to too closely connect the concept of sickness with the concept of death. We do this all the time. We say things like, so-and-so got sick and then they died. And sometimes that feels like the best way to explain it to our kids because it is literally what happened. But here's the thing. Again, because our kids are so literal and because sickness is such a commonplace thing in early childhood, 
right? If you've ever had a child in daycare or preschool, you know how frequently they get sick as their immune systems develop. So because sickness is such a part of their everyday lives, this is often really scary for kids. They will start to worry many times about whether that's going to be true for them next time they get a cold. Or what about you or your partner? Are you going to get sick and die? So this is why using language like their body stopped working is a much clearer and a less scary description of death for a child. Now, I also get the reality that sometimes a child might watch somebody be sick for a long period of time before they die. In these situations, you might feel the need to give your child more context, and that is totally okay. I think the important thing in that situation is to be super explicit with your child, to create that narrative so that this makes sense to them in a way that doesn't feel scary. So you might say something like, the sickness that grandpa had was a really difficult sort of sickness, and it's not the kind of sickness that you get when you have a cold or that I get when I have the flu, and it is not something you need to worry about happening to you or to me. Now, I just want to acknowledge how heavy and difficult it might feel to say that to your child, especially in the context of the last few years. The world is always uncertain and it always has been, but right now it might feel especially so. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And I also want to say to you that I know that no matter what is going on in the world, you are always going to do your very best to keep your child safe. And so you can tell your child without holding back that you will always keep them safe. You can say that and you can mean that. And you can tell your child, this isn't going to happen to you. And I know you can't know that perfectly, but it is so important that we communicate to our kids that we will keep them safe and that they are safe where they are right now. We can't control the world, but we can control the narrative that we create for our kids and the sense of safety that we create around them. And that's an especially important consideration when we're talking to our kids about death and dying. One last thing that I will say about talking to kids about death and dying is that books can be really, really helpful here. When River died, we used the book by Mr. Rogers called When a Pet Dies, and it is really great. It is straightforward and really helpful, and kids often need repetition when they're processing something difficult like death, and so books can be amazing for that. I don't know how many times we read that book after River died, but it was a lot. A few other books that are helpful, The Fall of Freddy the Leaf, The Invisible String, and When Dinosaurs Die. So I hope this has been helpful. I know this is a heavy topic, and I know it is especially heavy if you're dealing with a fresh loss. And if that is you, I'm so sorry for your loss, and I just want you to know that it's okay not to be okay, even in front of your child. And if you're not dealing with a fresh loss, I still encourage you to go ahead and start to incorporate conversations about death into your conversations with your child now. Nature gives us such a great opportunity to do that. And if it is fall near you, then you have even more natural opportunities to talk to your child about death during everyday interactions. So I will catch you next time. And until then, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.